Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. Today, we're going to be talking to technology coach, author, and mentor of mine, Mr. Jared Borman from the great state of Iowa. Jared is the brand new author of the book, Professionally Driven, Empower Every Educator to Redefine professional development. It is an absolute great book, and I'm thrilled to have him on the show today. There's, of course, several great ways that you can be a part of this and all of our shows. You can find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voice message over on TeacherCast.net slash voicemail. Email us at feedback at TeacherCast.net. And as we move into our brand new year, 2018, it is time to resubscribe and get us up there. TeacherCast.net slash YouTube. TeacherCast.net slash iTunes. Lots of great stuff happening as we move into 2018. And thank you again for enjoying the ride and coming along with me. I want to bring on our guest today, Jared Borman, teacher, educator, author, and a great friend of the network. Jared, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. I am so excited for you. Um, had a chance to check out this book, started reading uh, most of it, actually. Congratulations, man. Professionally driven, empower every educator to redefine PD. Uh, you can find it. I've got links all over TeacherCast on it. You can find it on Amazon. Um, I think I saw the Pope was actually reading it. Jared, um, talk to us a little bit about this. We're, we're going to be talking a lot about professional development. You are an instructional technology coach. Um, what inspired this book? Uh, well, a lot of several different factors inspired it, but it really kind of came down to when I finally actually left the classroom. Uh, I taught middle school and high school English for seven or eight years, and I ended up in a new role uh, at an education agency in Iowa. There are several of them throughout the state. And in doing so, I have the opportunity now to work with several different school districts, not just within one. And in doing so, it was one particular school district that um, essentially was struggling kind of like with the technology PD. And it wasn't, it was the aha moment for me that it was not just my school district that I was in as a teacher, or um, I was at another school for one year prior to uh, my second position. And so it was, it was a ubiquitous thing. It was everywhere. Like a lot of schools were struggling with the technology. Like, how do we integrate this? How do we make it more effective? How do we, um, allow teachers to to use it more effectively for classroom instruction and so when i was sitting down at the planning table with everybody it was this idea of we were looking at okay teachers are going to need google drive for their technology pd next year uh and this is i should also mention the school district that was going one-to-one -one for the first time so it was a very fairly hefty initiative and so they're going to need google drive they're going to need this they're going to need that and really it kind of boiled down to an a la carte style pd and it was the superintendent, actually, who kind of spoke up and said, okay, I think this is all great, but what about the teachers that don't need any of these? And the room kind of fell silent for a moment. And I felt like that was the open door or an open opportunity to say, could we rethink just professional development in general and not think of technology integration as something separate, but as something that is a part of a greater learning process for all educators. And the other thing that kind of stemmed from that is a conversation. Well, it wasn't a conversation. I was actually delivering a large group PD over a particular tech tool. And uh, in front of the 80 educators, one stood up and essentially said, 
why do we need all this technology anyway? I've been doing, I've been teaching for 20 some years, just fine. And so I skipped ahead a few slides from what I had and really showed her the reverse, uh, the revised version of Bloom's taxonomy. And I essentially boiled it down to, well, my goal should be to move students into the upper level thinking more frequently over the longer course of time. I don't know how to do that with a textbook or a packet or a worksheet. If you can, please tell me how, because I don't know how to do that. That's where technology comes in. So for me, it was a different approach to technology, not as we need to do this because it's the latest and coolest thing or, um, you know, like I, I, it, I kind of shudder sometimes when I hear um, some educators are like, I'm going to buy a bunch of drones and put them in my classroom, but yet they cannot articulate the pedagogical need for them yet. <laughs> so it's like we need to start with the pedagogy and understand where is it that I'm actually trying to move students into the upper levels of thinking within my content area. And then how can technology amplify that? Well, really what it kind of comes down to. I mean, when we're looking at this, there are so many schools that are getting into the professional development game. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're rethinking, they're refocused, um, refocusing, I should say. They are taking this step forward. Uh, my district is amazing. And they brought me in as a full-time professional development specialist, right? Like my gig is only to provide professional learning and training for our staff. There are other school districts out there who have a teacher who might teach now, say, one less class period, and then they float for that half hour, 45 minutes, whatever, to work with other teachers, small stipend, couple thousand, couple couple hundred maybe. Um, but at least they're moving in a direction too. We have identified this person as a professional coach, as a learner, as a, as a whatever the, the word is here, you know, technology integration specialist. I, I want to start off here with a conversation you and I have had frequently, which is tech integration specialist does not mean I am 100% focused on tech, correct? Absolutely. I mean, you may, you have an expertise in that area, but that's not your sole focus. And it's not mine by any means either. In fact, when I have, sometimes I'll have a teacher come up to me and say, hey, what new cool tools do you know? But my immediate response to them is, what cool new instructional strategies are you trying? I can't give you just a tool off the top of my head until you give me the purpose for the tool. Um, so really, it's like we almost have a, it's almost like we go out and seek that information just because we find it fun and we're passionate about it. But it doesn't mean that that's the sole focus or the sole purpose or even that we are the quote unquote expert. We just know where to go find information about it. Well, the other day, a short story here, I was outside and I found this rock. It was an old rock and I picked it up and I tried to squeeze that rock. And sometimes as a tech integration specialist, you walk into a class and they go, I've been doing it this way forever. I know you're wonderful. I know I should be working with you, but you know what? I, I, I just don't have the time to do it this way. Thanks. I'll call you when I need you. Your response to people like that? Do you say, hey, there's, there's other people out there or there's a goal for mine. I'm going to make that rock bleed. 
Well, in the professionally driven model, that particular, there's an analogy that I use. Um, if I could, not necessarily the rock analogy, but a different one that I include in my book. And it all comes from our, I, I can't really steal the idea and say, this is my total analogy, but um, from a training that I've been a part of here in the state of Iowa called AIW, there's this analogy that they use. It's the caterpillar analogy. So essentially, and I didn't even know this, I've never tried it, but if you dissect a caterpillar directly down the middle, you can actually see wings that are beginning to form on the inside. And so with that particular educator, what I would say is they don't know yet that they have wings developing on the inside. Now, this, I'm assuming that this is an educator that has the room to grow, like there's the potential for growth. And as a coach, I can see that. I know it um, just through some practices that I'm uh, observing within the classroom. It's there. I could just say, hey, I know exactly what it is that you can do to really take this to the next level. Or I can ask the right questions to make them think maybe there is another level to this that I didn't see before. And as soon as they, they, they say anything related to the, like maybe the thing I didn't see before and they come to that realization, now the caterpillar re realizes there are wings there. They just don't, they didn't know it before. And so really that's how I approach any learner, whether it's a, my own kids, whether it's an adult learner, whether it's anyone. My goal is not to say, hey, you got wings forming on the inside and I know how to make them actually fully develop. It's a matter of, I, could we, do you think it's this? Or um, what would be another way to move students? Because what I'm hearing is the students are analyzing here. Do you want them to continue analyzing or is there a, a greater purpose for them analyzing? Are we trying to get to some kind of greater creation level with what we're trying to do? Um, and just, I, I love my job because I feel like all I do is just ask questions. What do you mean? Like, for example, when it's, I get to have a teacher say, tell me what's happening in your classroom. So, for example, I had a Spanish teacher who, um, in a school district that's actually utilizing the professionally driven model, I said, okay, so tell me about your classroom. And um, he goes, well, I really want to integrate this. He's a Spanish-speaking te uh, uh, teacher who uh, um, teaches Spanish. And he's like, there's this new instructional strategy that's kind of the buzz right now through a lot of the language, um, Spanish-speaking uh, materials that I'm looking through. And he goes, I just don't know about it. I don't know which group to start with or if it's all of them. And I said, well, who are the learners that you're hoping to focus on? He goes, well, really, I should need to be focusing on all my learners. I said, pretty big group. Let's try to narrow it down. So I said, tell me about each class period. So he was telling me about each class period. First period's great. Second period, oh, they're okay and so forth. But then when he got to eighth period, and this is me prompting a bunch of just like, okay, tell me about this class and so forth. And then we got to eighth period. You could see the look of disdain on his face when he said, Ugh, eighth period. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm like, tell me about eighth period. What do you, what's, what's up with eighth period? And with like this, this look in his eyes, he just said, freshman boys. And I was like, hold on. What, what do you mean? He goes, they're always gone for sporting events, so they don't really, they're not up to pace with the rest of the class. They're always goofing off. They're not going to get, and I said, okay, so you have these new instructional strategies that you're looking to bring in your classroom. Do you think that if you had success with the freshman boys, that that would then spill over into other class periods? And he stopped for a second. He's like, yeah, I think so. 
So then I said, well, how do we make it work with the freshman boys? And it became this strategy of utilizing with those freshman boys who are gone all the time. We started talking about how do we go down the route of just starting maybe doing some flip videos first, some place where they can access that even if they're gone for sporting events um, at the end of the day. That way they can get the same information as everybody else and so on and so forth. And of course, this I mean, he's still focused on the freshman boys, but everybody's going to be utilizing them. So that's just kind of one example of how I just through pure asking questions and just gaining an insight of his daily routine and, and putting myself in his shoes and being highly empathetic towards that one specific educator. Those are skills that I then apply to other educators. And, and that's what I love so much. So the call to action at some point has to come into that conversation, right? The call to action is something to the effect of, and I can help you with that. Yes. And where does that come in? Like where, I, 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 little known secret here, I find myself watching a lot of videos on how to sell cars and, it, and it's always, and get them to close at the end, right? Like you can do this, 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 and this, sign here. Yeah. And that's the hardest part. Here's the value. Here's the value of everything that the car comes with. Sign here. Thank mm-hmm. you. By signing on, you know, sign, uh, this is the car thing, right? If you sign a 36 month contract, your payments will be higher, but overall, you're going to be paying thousands of dollars less. And somehow that translates into if you start working with me now, I'm going to save you all of this time over the next couple of years. But, you know, eventually we're going to work with each other. So let's just get this over with. So, so what I asked him, so, okay, I see what you're saying. In that conversation with that teacher where we got to the realization of the call to action was, I said, so it sounds to me that you need to somehow offer something to the freshman boys outside of class time. Is that correct? And he's like, yes, that'd be awesome if I could do that. And I said, but there is a way we could do that. And he goes, okay, how? So now it's that first moment where he asks me the question. So I feel like I got to ask 50 questions first before he starts to ask me the question about how do I exactly do that? Because we identified the pedagogical need. We've identified the, um, the instructional need and so forth. And so as soon as we get, to, I'm trying to prompt him to get me to ask that first question back. And now we can start a conversation. And it also feels like I've invested so much in him. In, in understanding where he is and his practices that when I recommend that we could do flip learning videos and set up that LMS, that learning management system, which may seem daunting if I was doing that as a large group kind of presentation and everybody, here's a learning management system and here's how you do flip videos. That's, that's, he would have not responded to that because he would not be thinking, how does this relate to me? He wouldn't even have the freshman voice in his mind when I brought that up. So that's the, the, I think the big way to build that into um, that particular group. So it's getting that, I don't know how to describe it. Like it's, it's such a in the moment feeling and flow that it's hard to say, ask these specific questions and you're going to get that response back. You know what I mean? Well, let's take a look at building base, right? Cause a lot of PD stems from the top. Somebody has a vision or, somebody has to do something, right? Like we're bringing in Google apps. We have to do training or, you know, like for instance, and even in my district, like Google sites is new. We have to do trainings. What works in your opinion and what doesn't work? Or I should even say, what kinds of things have you thought would work 
that maybe didn't in the end when it comes to, you know, one trainer, one Jared on a hundred teachers or one Jared on 10 teachers. So in terms of that top down, which this is something that I actually address in my book as well. And I don't want to, what I try to define though, is not top down delivery, which I understand that if me standing in front of a, say a group of hundred teachers, as you mentioned, um, that feels very much like a top down large group kind of delivery versus me with 10 teachers is the idea is I, I don't want to say a top down delivery, but a top down mentality. I think that has been the biggest issue when it comes to tra- traditional professional development is not the delivery, but the mentality. And what I mean by that is a top down mentality can be adopted at both ends of the ladder. So as far as the, the top portion, what typically happens is you have um, building administrators or uh, let's say even maybe like that teacher team, that lead teacher team or whatever it may be that goes and seeks out more information about something. And they say, this is amazing. We need to take it back to our school because it's going to reshape our school. Well, when they bring it back and all of a sudden you don't have the same kind of hype and motivation and, and need seen by the rest of the staff. Now we have a problem. We're basically trying to pass down the bucket in the bucket brigade and the people that are the last to receive the information feels like it's just being dumped on them, that they're not actually a part of the brigade. They're the final piece that they're being dumped on. Um, <clears throat> so that doesn't necessarily work. But in the same token, with a top-down mentality, the bottom end is where I see the biggest issue as well, where if I am a teacher, and let's just put this in perspective here, if I'm a teacher, let's say over the course of years, I am so conditioned into the mindset that this is a yearly initiative and all I have to do is wait it out because next year or in two years, it's going to be something else. And then the next year, two years going to be something else. Multiply that over the course of years. And can you see why someone in their 20 some year of education is um, a little quote unquote reluctant? And so really what we're conditioning them into is this passive learner mindset. Tell me what it is I need to know. And that's exactly what happens or started to happen when I was first in my role was, hey, tell me something I don't know. I'm going to just sit back and let you do all the thinking for me and wow me. And I don't want to feed educators. I want them to learn how to feed themselves. I want them to be hunters of new pedagogical strategies and learning for themselves, not because I tell them they have to, because they want to. And that's where the intrinsic motivation aspect comes in. There are educators that truly believe that they can learn anything. They have a growth mindset, but they may not have the intrinsic motivation to learn what it is that you tell me I should learn. So there's kind of a difference. Well, um, well you've been teaching for 30 years. You're on your way out. I walk in and you say, as you just did, teach me something that I don't know. And we engage, we have a conversation and you go, yeah, I'll think about that. (laughs) And now you're standing there going, I didn't close. I didn't close. I didn't close. Or do you say, I'll come around the bend maybe in a few weeks? Well, that's what I see as the open door. If they say, and it's all about that open door. If they're approaching me and they're expecting feed me, what I will say is, I'll just respond to the question saying, well, tell me about your classroom. If I truly don't even know them, I can't help you unless I know your classroom. And that doesn't mean that I have to be in your classroom observing, which I know is also a very um, 
it can turn some people off and, and they're a little leery of that. But if you can tell me about your classroom and I can get a good idea about the operations of it, I might see that open door for where I might be able to see that moment of how can we elevate the instruction through the use of technology. And if I can get them to realize that there's the potential for that first, before I then bring in the idea of technology, then I'm more inclined to have that further conversation of support. So do these conversations happen through email first? Do they happen because you just happen to catch them while you're walking down the hallway and maybe they're sitting at their desk? Or do you make an appointment and does that email say, I'd like to speak with you? Um, do they happen because their boss says, go work with Jared? Um, talk to us a little bit about that because there's a lot of, and again, you, you know, you and I have had these conversations because as a new technology coach, I've, I've asked, how do you start the conversation? Um, it's easy to have the conversation once you're in it, but you don't want to have the reputation of he's just coming in to be nice because he's got a job to do. I'll even dare say, because he's then going to report back to the superintendent about me. Right. There, there is that, there is that fear. That's, that sounds more like a culture thing, which I try to address in my book as well. Um, but you ask a really good question of where those conversations start. For me, I've always found a, a greater chance of success if the conversation feels more organic or more uh, spontaneous versus we are going to have a conversation at 9 a.m. on Wednesday. That doesn't feel very spontaneous, and therefore people aren't going to be – they're not in the moment of thinking or creativity or reflection at 9 a.m. on Wednesday. But you're not it, hun- That happens you're not hunting these teachers down just for the moment they might be free. You're not stalking them with a, with a boom box outside their car. <laughs> no, I'm not. not. I'm not, not trying to woo them. Not, 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 um, not, that, not that I haven't done that. <laughs> but what I do try to do is I try to make myself available. Like I'm always trying to make myself present in hallways or um, teacher's lounge, which I know the teacher's lounges, depending on the culture of the building, Second can places. be – a more negative space, which I know. So what we want to do is if if those aren't the spaces, we need to create the time and the space for those conversations to happen. And that's what I really try to promote in in the book is let's professionally driven. And this is a big misconception of people. The professionally driven model is not another thing. The professionally driven model is a rethinking and a reshaping and, and lots of communication and sharing and reflecting and learning is what we try to get down to. So going through four phases of a holistic learning process. Like for me, I try to really define the difference between training and learning in terms of adult professional development time. Training has completely taken over PD time. And I'm not sure when that exactly took place in the history of education, but it has. And I want, and what I try to advocate for is simply, can we take out of all the hours that we have available for PD in the, in the school year, can we take a chunk of that per month and make that learning time? Like this training is necessary in the research phase and maybe even the integration phase, but really we want to promote this bigger learning journey idea of getting teachers to then reflect out loud and then also share outside their school district. The book is professionally driven. Empower every educator to redefine PD. And I'm 
I'm saying the full title here because it doesn't say empowering every educator to want to define their own PD, right? This is still, it, it, it has to be top down in theory, right? Like you're, the upper guy says, or girl says, we want to do this. And it's our job as the tech coaches to take that and filter and get them to do it, right? Like, Again, I'm not Absolutely. walking in. I'm not walking into your classroom and saying, "Jared, you're going to flip your classroom, gosh darn it." Even though that teacher knows that the district's incentive or initiative is flipped classroom and he knows you're walking in there because you are the guy that's in charged with doing like right? like there is that I know you know I'm here because I have to be. But I I <laughs> also need you to know that I want to be here because I want this for you. But at the same time, we live in a world where everyone is crazy busy every minute of the day. And we're teaching six periods and we're coaching and we're, you know, family life, holidays. And I'm not the only one that hears this isn't a good time of year. Oh, totally. And in no time is a good time of year. But that's why I always try to say is in order for the professionally driven model to to flourish and and to have educators begin to feel empowered because they have a lot of reasons to feel disempowered right now um, with a lot of top-down kind of mandate stuff. I understand that they're going to be the state mandates and the district mandates and the district initiatives. I'm not saying we need to do away with all of those. What I'm saying is, can we offer time per month as a dedicated guaranteed time that we will never cut into for educators to and I use this in the in the growth mindset chapter, can we get them to be able to reflect? Because they really don't have a lot of time to reflect sometimes. I mean, it's all about getting to proficiency and this and that. If if they had an opportunity to reflect and say, what in my classroom instructionally is not working the best right now? Or where do I see my students continually operating in the lower levels of Bloom's taxonomy or in level one or two of Webb's DOK, which I know a lot of states focus on as well. If if I give them time to get to that point and to think about that deeply and reflect, and there's also some other follow-up questions that go along with that, there's a chance that they are going to then in turn see the weakness and want to turn it into a strength. You get The reason why you probably have a lot of teachers that say, this isn't a good time of year or I don't need to know that piece of technology, whatever you're offering on your a la carte menu, PD or whatever training that's, that none of those work for me is because they haven't had the time to actually self-realize that there is a potential weakness that they can turn into a strength and you are now a support. So rather than being the facilitator and the lead trainer of tech tools, now you are a support person when they realize they need you. Does that make sense? I mean, it, it, it does. And, and that's where and, I, I, you know, and I'm not just saying this out here as, as a friend, it really is a book that I would recommend for every tech coach. Um, you've got a, a section here. I'm trying to find it here. It's in those high seventies about thinking like a caveman. Can you talk a little bit about yeah. this? So in terms of like the thinking like caveman, so the model itself is built is based on four phases. It's research. First of all, once I identify a weakness, what I like, what a lot of teachers say is I don't have time. 
I'm not asking teachers to take up a lot of time. In fact, what I'm saying is I'm not, I'm not looking to add anything to your plate. I want you to identify what's not working so that way we can take it off your plate and replace it with something better, more effective. And once we do that, then we go through research, integrate, reflect, and share. And this is process. And the reason why uh, these four phases are so important is that I didn't come up with cavemen did this stuff. So when we talk about thinking like a caveman, when a caveman realized, wow, this, this method of starting fire is not working that well or, or under these conditions, is there a better way of doing it? They're taking that strategy off their plate and now they're trying to find other strategies. Once they're looking for other strategies, they might be trying a lot of different things. It's a trial and error kind of process. They're in the integrating phase. Hey, Bob, the caveman down the, down the road, have you discovered anything new? And so forth. And so then in the integration phase, once I'm starting fire more efficiently and on a more consistent basis, I want to go share that with other cavemen. And that's the reflection phase. The reflection phase in my model is share your journey, your weakness into a strength within your district. Those stories being shared within the district and eight, we give other people the permission to go on similar journeys. And then the last phase is the sharing phase. As far as cavemen, the last phase, as far as sharing outside your district, cavemen did that exact same thing. That's why we have paintings on walls, is they wanted to share their story beyond just the guy next door or anybody else. They wanted to share through a grand, grander scheme. So I, I, I want to wrap up here. And Jared, this is, by the way, this is part one. Uh, we're you're, we're going to do this again on a, on a future show here, right? We're, there's there's plenty to do here. And by the way, I'll even stop and say, if you're listening to this and you want to reach out to Jared, please reach out to Jared. You know, you can find him on Twitter at J Borman, J B O R M A N N, with the number three. Um, or you can always reach out to us here on TeacherCast. I would love to set up a podcast where it be you, Jared, and and magic will happen. So please feel free to reach out to the show here. We would love to get you on here. Let's talk about the Wizard of Oz. Okay. We know this system is wonderful. We all as tech coaches might have even been doing it without knowing that we're doing it. Do you walk into a teacher and say, now we're going to go to the reflective phase. I want you to reflect upon. And do you say, okay, we just did our activity. I want you to now go out and share, or this is just part of their routine. Hey, by the way, don't forget to tell your friends about this experience or go to his supervisor and say, hey, could you give Jared five minutes at the next meeting for him to just talk about what we've done? I mean, do you open that fourth wall and say, here is my plan for you. Here is our blueprint. I mean, do you send an email out to the staff that says this is the coaching model and how we will be doing it? I am a coach. You will come and talk to me. We will do an assignment. That is, I think, where I have the biggest struggles, and I think that's where many of these other people are going, is they know what they have to do, but they can't get into the system. And at the same time, they don't know how to get through the system. And then when they're in the system, it's that repeat offender. Okay, we've done it. Let's go to the next level. Or even let's go to level one, part two. How do you... I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase this. Do you break the fourth wall or not? Yeah, and that's a really good question because what role does the coach exactly play? And that's why uh, chapter six is completely dedicated to the tech slash instructional coach. 
And the idea is that I had a lot of coaches that were saying to me that, that, that before they went into the professionally driven model, they would say, um, you know, the instructional rounds or the instructional, uh, uh, the coaching cycles, you know, like the Jim Knight and the Diane Sweeney kind of coaching cycles. They, they said, Jared, we want to do coaching cycles, but we don't have teachers that are letting us get our foot in their door. Well, in the professionally driven model where we have those four phases of research, integrate, reflect, share, chapter six has the coaching guide questions where when you're done, let's say, let's say you're the teacher. Okay, Jeff, and I'm, I'm, I'm your coach. When you're done with the research phase, all we're asking you to do is set up a chat with me, get in touch with me, and let's have a coaching conversation. In our coaching conversation, I got a list of 12 questions here that go along with that coaching conversation that happens between research and integration. So those coaching conversations is what ties those phases together. And the goal of that is not for me to sit there with a big rubber stamp of approval and listen to your answers and decide if you get to move on or not. My job in those coaching questions or that coaching conversation is simply to make sure that all you're thinking all your learning is articulated out loud so I can just bounce off of you what I'm hearing so that way you can think more deeply and reflect more deeply so we can guarantee the greatest chance of success in the next phase. Now, theoretically, Jeff, you could basically say, I'm good. I don't need a coaching conversation. I'm going to go blaze my trail into that next phase. Excellent. I can only highly recommend that you have a coaching conversation with me. I can't hold you by the wrist and say, nope, not moving on until you talk with me. The, I had a teacher that did that. They felt like this was another thing, and they were literally going to sprint up Mount Everest. That doesn't happen. So what happened was he moved right on to the integration phase, and I could see as a coach that he could not articulate the big question between, between research and integration, and that is, what will you be looking for that tells you it's working? I didn't say collect data. I just, what is it going to be survey? Is it going to be something else? Is it going to be talking to kids? But what is it going to be looking for that tells you it's working? He couldn't articulate that. I knew that he was not going to do that well in the integration phase, but I didn't. And all I said is I said, hey, you may want to think about this before going to the next phase. And he's like, yeah, I got it. Inevitably, it bombed. It did not go well. Where did he end up? Back at research. He realized that. He came back to me and said, hey, I need to do more thinking about this. I need to look into this a little more. I, this learning management system that I've been focusing on, is this really the right one I need to be focused on? I said, well, let's take a look. You tell me as far as the comparison. I never want to be the answer giver <laughs> or the approval person who says, yep, you're ready to go. Yep, yep, yep. That's a lot. That's just a model of compliance. And I don't want the professionally driven model to be anything um, even close to compliance. It's the exact opposite. So there are going to be those people that just take off and, and want to do their own thing and they don't want those coaching conversations, but really we just highly encourage it. And when I explain to them, what's the purpose and what it's like, um, like for example, I, right now I'm kind of just in the, in the midst of sort of uh, videotaping a few of those and putting them on my website. So that way people can kind of see what, what those, what they look like, what are those conversations like? So that way people can understand that they're not a threatening thing. They're not a, I'm here for, to evaluate you in any way, shape, or form. It's, I'm here to support you. I want to be on your learning journey with you. I don't want to push you up the mountain. I don't want to pull you up the mountain. I just want to be there with every step so that way I can be there to support when you need me. 
The book is professionally driven. Empower every educator to redefine PD. Um, Jared, I got to say one more time. It is an absolute fantastic book. I want to say thank you so much for, you know, you, you've been my coach throughout the last couple of years and uh, hopefully will continue to be. But uh, like I said, this is, this is the first of many of these conversations here. We hope that you guys out there have enjoyed this and will get in touch with me or get in touch with Jared. Jared, where can they find you and what can they find on that great website of yours? So the Twitter is the big one. I, I love using Twitter to connect with people. So if you want to connect with me, I know you've already mentioned uh, my Twitter handle, but uh, my website, professionallydriven.com, is really a central hub for a few different things related to the book. It's not just about the book. The book is the book was created because people said you really need to spread this word, and so that's what the book's purpose is. But the website's purpose is. Um, I want it to be a central hub for teachers to be able to share their professionally driven journeys or school districts who are doing it school wide. Um, I, I, the, the most power we have as educators is that when I go through a process of struggle, um, a, a greater learning journey, and I share that with others, I innately give other people the permission to struggle the same way. And that's what we're looking to do with the website. I also have a ton of free printable resources, including the planning poster and videos. And I'm working on a YouTube channel that kind of dives in a little deeper into each phase for people so they can kind of see, not just read in the book, but see what each phase actually looks like. Um, and really, that's kind of my, my vision for the website. And I'm hoping that it just that more educators that are doing the model bring in their stories to that so that way it empowers others. Jared, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, good luck with the book, and uh, please come back soon. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. And I hope you guys had a great time listening to this show. I know I've learned something from Jared, and every time I have a chance to talk to him, I learn something that I bring back to my teachers. Uh, wealth of knowledge, great guy. Find him on Twitter at jborman three. Uh, on behalf of everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Professional Development Network, thank you guys so much for taking the time to check us out. Of course, if you are listening to this in January when we're going to be releasing this episode, brand new TeacherCast coming out. Uh, we're going to be getting new websites, new podcasts, new logo, new everything just in time for the change of the year. More information about that over on our website, teachercast.net. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at TeacherCast. Leave us a voice message over at teachercast.net slash voicemail and subscribe to this and all of our shows at teachercast.net slash iTunes and teachercast.net slash audio. On behalf of everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Broadcasting Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.